Hi, and welcome back to Scooby What's New, Queer, and Delicious. I'm your host, Louise, and today we are taking a detour in our mystery machine here, um, away from the story, away from the media depictions today. I have a very special, like, hour and some long interview with um, Pretty F and Spooky on Instagram, Amanda Paulson, and she has some incredible insights for us today, and I'm really excited for you guys to listen to the episode. So don't be afraid to go follow her, um, even though her shit on Instagram is pretty effing spooky. Um, but definitely go follow her because she's awesome, and I had a lot of fun interviewing her. A lot of great things came up, and so, you know, when you listen to this episode, um, definitely go ahead and contact, you know, one of us if anything that we say jives with, um, anything you've experienced, let us know. You can email me at inqueriesqueerosphere at gmail.com or DM me, um, on the accounts Descent to the Queerosphere on Instagram or liminally period Lou on Instagram. You can find me in the DMs on both accounts. So don't be afraid to like, let me know if there's anything spooky that comes up for you or that if it reminds you of something that you want to share with us today. So, um, enjoy the interview. I'm really excited to have had her and, um, I didn't record an outro for this episode. So when you are finished listening, it will just kind of be, um, Amanda and I finishing the interview. So go ahead and sit back, relax and enjoy this long ass interview. I'm really excited to, um, and grateful to have had this experience again. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And, um, I feel very grateful, not only that I got to see the premiere of your movie here in Spokane, um, but that I'm a part of your press tour, essentially, <laughs> after the fact, after your premieres. And yes. so I really feel grateful for you uh, being here with me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Can you introduce yourself a little bit for people? Yes. Uh, my name is Amanda Paulson. I run Pretty and Spooky, which is a blog and Instagram page primarily, uh, where I share my spooky adventures. I'm a paranormal investigator, and I've been doing it since 2008. Wow. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, when when did you first start expressing? You said 2008, but like, tell me, walk me through the first expression of interest and why you started exploring it. So I first became interested in the unknown or paranormal phenomena when I was very little. I was like seven or eight years old. Um, and I believe I was having some kind of paranormal experiences very young, which now I would call like medium experiences or whatever but Mm -hmm. at the time I didn't really know what was going on at all so I had a lifetime of paranormal experiences and then I wanted to start exploring it in 2008 which I was 18 at that time so I was freshly an adult and felt like I could kind of have some control over how I wanted to what direction I wanted to take my life and I had also grown up very um, conservative Christian uh, prior to that and was like kind of moving away from that and I felt like it was a really good time for me to kind of explore the paranormal because I knew I had been experiencing that my whole life but it had kind of been um, quelled or like kind of pushed down by being involved in the church okay. um, I'm, I'm getting really into the heavy stuff like right away but um, <laughs> it's <laughs> but okay that, I like hearing it that's part of the origin story of my getting into the paranormal though is like it was happening very early on didn't feel comfortable exploring it until I was 18 joined a ghost hunting group if anyone knows from 2008 ghost hunting was like ghost adventures and ghost hunters on tv and that was it so it was like a very boots on the ground kind of approach to the paranormal um did that for a while moved to spokane that was in montana okay and uh 
moved to Spokane, took a break from it in my mid-20s because I was having fun and nobody that I was hanging out with wanted to hear about the paranormal and then got back into it in 2019. Actually, beginning of 2019 is when I started Pretty F and Spooky. Okay, so that's when Pretty F and Spooky started. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Because um, I would say in 2008, Instagram wasn't the biggest. No. <laughs> no, in 2008, so I joined the ghost hunting team I was on. I found them on Facebook. I'm pretty sure Okay. on Facebook. And then I like reached out to them and they put me through an interview process and everything. They were very, wow. they were very professional and I really appreciate that. I wish I could find all of them now because I appreciate that take on it because you don't see that now today as much. Um, but yeah, they interviewed me. It was like a, about 14, 13, 14 people, I think on that team. Wow. Um, and then we didn't have much of an internet presence at all. We had like a website, but that's, down now um but social media wasn't what it is you know now but um yeah I started my Instagram page and my uh, website and stuff in 2019 though as pretty effing spooky cool well how did the pandemic affect you then it's so wild um the pandemic if I'm talking solely from the perspective of being a paranormal investigator Mm -hmm. not like in my personal life how the pandemic affected me but for paranormal investigating it actually uh, didn't hurt it. It put me in a position where I was able to be incredibly on my own, like by myself, kind of, you know, obviously we yeah. were all quarantining and stuff, <laughs> but like, um, it allowed me to kind of turn my ghost hunting into more of a spiritual practice. And, uh, I'm sure a lot of people have this same experience. It like mm-hmm. allowed me to really dig deep into certain elements of research and, um, and kind of furthering my studies of the occult and things because I had so much time on my hands right. and I was alone. And then I also, in in like 2020, I became quite known for exploring abandoned buildings, actually, which right. I've stepped away from now because um, I don't want to get in trouble. But back then, no one was around. And yeah. it was a great uh, little hobby of mine to go out into the middle of nowhere where I knew nobody would be and um, explore abandoned buildings and, and ghost hunt out there and stuff. And that actually like helped kind of propel my presence online, I think, um, by what I was doing in 2020, which is so weird because then on the other hand, it was like a very stressful time, you know, and it wasn't like, so on the outside, it looks like the pandemic um, did good for me in a way, like just in in terms of quarantine, in terms of like not working as much and stuff. But then on the other hand, it's like, I would never want to go back no yeah I don't think any of us would honestly um it's it's funny that you say all that um like honestly everything because I I find a lot of commonality in our experience and maybe I don't know did you grow up you grew up in Montana Mm -hmm. so I grew up in Spokane Mm -hmm. it's it's not the same but it's kind of the same similar yeah and um I grew up very conservative Christian um very um hick very redneck and um I came to my experience a little bit different and I want to talk about that later. Um, but I find myself very just interested in you because I find that a lot of my experience matches yours. Um, and, and sometimes that just happens to people, but, um, that's kind of why I reached out to you. Cause I was like, I just want to hear her story. I really, that's what I want to hear. Um, so going back to the movie, death is with me, Tell me and everybody just a little bit about the movie. Not like, I don't want no spoilers, you know, but mm-hmm. just who who it depicts in her story and just a little bit about it. Yeah. So Death is With Me is a paranormal true crime documentary based out of the Olympic Peninsula uh, near Lake Crescent. 
Um, it's about a uh, noir true crime story regarding Hallie Illingworth, who was uh, murdered and then dumped into Lake Crescent and found three years after her death um, by floating to the top of the surface of the water, which is very strange. And the movie gets into that a little bit. Um, but furthermore, my, my role in Death Is With Me is to kind of tell the story through my lens and also investigate the claims of paranormal activity um, in the lake and around the lake um, and uh, the paranormal claims of Hallie Illingworth herself. Yeah, it was um, riveting. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's that's basically what I can say, too. I mean, I what my girlfriend wanted to tell you or me to tell you was that she, who is not interested in paranormal whatsoever, doesn't like scary movies, would rather be watching Scrubs, said she was so interested. She's like, I couldn't peel my eyes away. And I was like... That's great. Yeah. I love to hear that. Yeah, I mean, something funny, too, that I've heard since these uh, there's only been two screenings in Spokane and Seattle now and uh one thing I've loved hearing is how much people are surprised it was actually a movie like it's like it's a real deal movie and um I mean it is a documentary but there's also it it is in a way to an art film Mm -hmm. it's very gorgeous the way that it's it's shot is very beautiful and very engaging and like enigmatic and um so I'm glad to hear that that people who aren't even necessarily into true crime or paranormal are also enjoying it because yeah. that's what I would hope. Yeah, she she high praises from her and which is impressive. I yes, will say I love that. So, um, what led you to Hallie? Like, what was the first time you ever heard of her, and then like, what kind of made you progress? So, no one's actually asked me this yet, which is so interesting. Um, but. Uh, I actually didn't know about Holly Ellingworth or Lake Crescent at all. I had one experience visiting Lake Crescent prior to my work on the documentary, um, and it was my first time visiting Forks, Washington, because I'm a huge Twilight fan. Twilight forever. Uh, yeah, and um, and so I remember, it's so weird, I vividly remember when I, I drove out one day to see Forks, and I stopped at Lake Crescent on a little turnout and uh, took a nap because I was super tired and I needed to like not be driving and um and I remember being there and I took a photo of the lake and I was like whatever and it's just so crazy that you don't know that something is going to change your life down the road or like going to play such a huge role in mm-hmm. your life you know and I had that photo and that was from like 20 I don't know 12 maybe like wow. a long time ago but I never looked into Lake Crescent I never thought about it again and then um the director um of death is with me ryan grulick he reached out to me in october or no it was september of 2020 he reached out to me online and asked if i would be interested in doing a documentary based out of the olympic peninsula and i solely said yes at first based on the fact that he mentioned some things about high strangeness and like um the kind of the idea that all phenomena is connected which Mm. is something I strongly believe in like not it was he didn't want to just do like a haunted documentary or like a paranormal investigation documentary you know he was really interested in like the high strangeness of the area in general and I wanted to do something local and that was pretty much it and I didn't know him at all I think I only had like 5,000 followers at the time and it was actually between his project, um, which wasn't called Death is With Me at the time, but that project or this other one that had come up at the same exact time, I remember I inter- I auditioned for this other show like in the same day mm-hmm. uh, for something on the East Coast. And, um, and I kind of had to choose uh, one or the other. 
and I chose mm-hmm. death is with me. And I'm so glad that I did because yeah. I just really wanted to work out of uh, my area and kind of understand the paranormal phenomena in my area more. Um, and then it sort of evolved from there. Yeah, that's that's a really cool story. And I'm glad that you came to it that way and came to it at all, because I think for someone like me who is just beginning the journey of the paranormal, because I would say that in the past, like as a kid, I was experiencing similar things. Like my mom tells a ghost story about me all the time, this like one famous thing. And um, like going through that, I just feel I just feel super connected to everything that you're saying. And and I'm, I'm glad that this is the path that um, you were on and that these that a lot of people are able to see it, not only from your Instagram, but the movie. And I think that the the point about everything being connected, I think is going to be really important in sort of how people think about paranormal, spirituality, et cetera, et cetera, in the future, or mm-hmm. just, I don't know, reflecting on it in, in sometime in the near future. Yeah. Um, let's see. What did you, initially maybe, what did you hope to learn, um, more specifically going into premiering your first film? And then maybe what did you learn, like actually, um, after premiering it? Oh, man. Well, it's like twofold because it's what did I want to learn about the paranormal doing work on a project like that? And also, what did I think I would learn from like filming a movie? With yeah. it? You know, it's like two different things because it's like I will say going into filming a documentary, which ended up being more of a film than a typical. I have a lot of friends who have done a lot of work in film and in documentaries and stuff. And I expected it to go one way and it went a totally different way. Um, being that it was more of a, a real movie, uh, it took, you know, six different shoots, I think multiple different, wow. uh, recording, um, you know, dialogue and like stuff I had never done. I'm not a theater kid. I'd never yeah. done anything like that before. Um, and I had to learn really quickly to let go of any amount of control that I wanted to have over the situation. Mm-hmm. Like I'm very type A. I wanted to have everything lined out and really understand why I was doing what I was doing. Yeah. And I didn't get any of that. And there was a lot of butting heads, um, with myself and the director, um, for that. Cause I just didn't under, I just didn't know what I was doing. I was like, what is going on? You know? Um, and then, you know, with the paranormal, um, I also, I think I say this in the movie, spoiler alert, but I say in the movie, like, I did this project to see a ghost. Like, I wanted yeah. to, like, have a better opportunity to put myself in the way of extreme paranormal phenomena because I deal, I've dealt with, like, a lot of skepticism over my adult life. I, um, when I was young and experiencing the paranormal, I had a pretty traumatic childhood and uh as I grew up and grew older I started wondering if maybe I wasn't experiencing the paranormal if I Mm -hmm. was actually coping with some things that I understand now better than I did as a kid and um so in 2020 I when this project came up it was like at the same time that I was really like trying to dedicate all of my time to these to the study of the paranormal and also to help me believe more like I was like I need to see something or experiencing experience something that I like truly believe and um so part of me saying yes to the documentary was also like okay if I have this specific work lined up where I have to give my all to this research and these investigations maybe I will actually see a ghost um and I didn't end up seeing the ghost that I wanted to see I'm not giving anything away in the movie but like I didn't (laughs) 
it's not like Hallie walked into my room and was like, hey, yeah. you've been looking for me. Here I am. And like, I can't like see ghosts now like that, you know, but, um, but so much else happened. And I realized in that process that, um, that I think that's exactly how it's meant to be in exploration of paranormal phenomena that right. like you were supposed to let go of control. I guess the control aspect is for both making the documentary and also the paranormal aspect of it, like letting go of that control and understanding that sometimes there is beauty and, um, and purpose in like kind of letting yourself go and like experience things and have no control over it. And, um, I don't know. I feel like I'm talking in circles, but like, yeah, I guess I just learned to let go of the control and expectations that I had for myself and for things and people around me. Do you think that that's going to be really integral to like your moving on from now? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I can already, um, it's so complex, uh, and I won't get too into it cause it's just, I could, we like, could sit here all day and talk. I yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but the last couple years, uh, for everyone I recognize, but for myself as well, have not been easy at all. Um, and then I've been filming this movie all the while going through all of this other stuff in life, which is like, now I feel so grateful that I have basically like a tangible thing that can show my growth and like my hardships and everything. Like I just have this thing that shows like the most important years of my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, but while it was happening, it was like a lot of it wasn't fun <laughs> to be honest. But I think, I, I think that's the point. And I, uh, in, in the documentary, um, again, not giving away too much, but um, there's a, a, really important paranormal researcher, Carl Pfeiffer, has uh, a few parts in Death is With Me. And he says, you know, you've got to go through some shit in order to um, kind of be in this field or explore these kind of explore the unknown, you know, and you yeah. kind of end up putting yourself through some shit. And that's exactly what happened for me. So uh, I think it's going to change my approach to a lot of things moving forward, for sure. Yeah. 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 And I I feel that experience and you go through some shit. So <laughs> I, I can't wait to talk about it. I'm getting there. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. I want to turn away from the documentary now and ask you about um, paranormal emotive touch points. This is something I, this is how I first really discovered you. I, I think I Googled something, your blog popped up and I read it and then I found you on Instagram. That's kind of how it went for me. Um, I love to hear that. that and that means I'm doing something right online. Cause I always hope that that happens, but yeah. I don't know how to the, do anything. The Google, what is it called? SEO. It's, exactly. It's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about the theory, where it came from and, and just, you know, what you've written about so far about it. Yeah. So the paranormal emotive touch point theory, I started um, conceptualizing in 2021, there's actually a scene in the movie where I'm writing, uh, notes in a journal and actually you can't see it, but like what I'm writing is a paranormal emotive touch point theory. Cause I had <laughs> been working on it and I was like, I might as well just write about this. But, um, uh, so it came from, it kind of stemmed from first my interest in liminal spaces, mm -hmm. which liminality is a very popular kind of, um, it's kind of trending a little bit and, you know, in short form video, um, people like to, you know, the back rooms like that. I don't know if you've seen any of those videos. I've seen some of them. And it's yeah. funny that you say that too. My, my 
spiritual Instagram handles liminally Lou. Mm-hmm. Just because it's the L. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> um, well, so I was really interested in liminal spaces for a while. That also kind of stemmed from my exploration of abandoned structures and things. And, uh, right. and I had been documenting liminal spaces for a while. But then there was this instance where I was up north here in Spokane. And um, I was checking out this abandoned house. I couldn't get to it. I had to pull off on the highway and just take pictures of it from the, from the street. But um, it was very foggy. And I remember thinking in that moment, I was like, it's very foggy. It feels strange. I felt weird. I felt very liminal. I felt kind of nostalgic, sort of like I was experiencing these weird emotions. And, and in my head, I was thinking, this feels haunted, quotations, Mm -hmm. um, haunted, but it's not haunted. I'm just on the street that isn't known to be haunted. There's no reason why there would be any kind of traditional ghost attached to this area that I'm in. I'm far away from this abandoned house, you Mm -hmm. know? And so then it kind of got my gears turning about like, uh, you know, how do these odd emotions like liminality and nostalgia and deja vu and like ambiguous joy or euphoria or sadness like when you get struck by like a very odd human emotion how can that play into paranormal phenomena and is it possible that these feelings especially things like liminality can these tip us off to like there being kind of I explain it like a soft spot in the universe where we could connect to the other side easier and then I started sort of experimenting with that concept and investigating like using by investigating I mean using um like my spirit box or using my equipment typically ITC like um typically equipment that is used to actually get words from like a spirit box or an ovalis or like Mm -hmm. something like that maybe not a k2 meter or a flashlight but like I started using some of my equipment during these moments like uh when I was feeling strange and it would just mm-hmm. be in my own apartment or it'd be in my car or on a walk or something, nowhere that I knew was traditionally haunted, but maybe I could speak to, you know, the other, like mm-hmm. whatever it would be. And it, and it ended up being, um, that I was onto something cause I was, I was getting really accurate, like, I guess very, um, poignant answers and, and, uh, evidence from it. And then it's kind of evolved now to include, you know, Feel like I'm rambling a bit, but it's evolved now to um, to also be said to like. What am I trying to say? It's okay. <laughs> um, I'm it, following. I know. I get so passionate about this that I'm like, okay, chill out. Like, because I've got, because <laughs> I'm also like compartmentalizing this theory right now and sort of just. I'm in the beginning stages of breaking it up and kind of trying to explain it into smaller chunks because yeah. I feel like this. Um, the idea of a paranormal touch point is very large and a lot of people tend to think, oh, portal. And it's not really a portal. It's more like a button to clear communication to the other. And not only is it about finding them and kind of coming across them, but it's also about our ability to create them. So Mm -hmm. it kind of um, goes into the theories that like living humans can, can kind of imbue their energy into a space and then uh, essentially haunt it, which is a popular theory in the paranormal, in a certain section of the paranormal community right now, like, um, that, you know, human, like living humans can create hauntings. Um, and you often see that at like very famous haunted locations, like say Waverly Hills has a little boy ghost that like, Mm -hmm. there is no historical record of, but enough ghost hunters have been in there and said, that there's a little boy ghost and like, kind of like given energy to this story that is false that now 
there is activity happening from like what would be perceived as a little boy ghost so it's like anyway that's not my own theory but like this idea that like the living can it, the living has a lot more to do with paranormal phenomena and like our emotions I think are incredibly important for us to pay attention to when exploring the unknown and I think if you pay attention to when as I explain it, odd or strange emotions kind of arise where you can't really pinpoint why they're arising. It's not, it's not just sadness or happiness, you know, normal human emotions. Um, but like those odd feelings that we tend to just kind of brush away and be like, that was weird. That just gave me like a weird feeling. Mm -hmm. If we actually explore that and, um, and kind of either talk to the other side or even talk to that emotion itself, mm -hmm. um, that we may be able to learn a lot more about ourselves and a lot more about what potentially could happen after, life as well so I mean the short of it uh too long didn't read of that is um the paranormal emotive touch point is just a soft spot in the world where uh you can communicate with the other side easier or you can even communicate with emotions themselves wow I find that also riveting and have a little scooby snack for you because I have experienced a set of experiences and I just kind of want to go over them and just see what you think, to be honest. Um, I was trying really hard to, um, TLDR it too, because <laughs> it's, I could go on forever, but, um, the way I do this podcast is telling a specific story from sort of a, a very beginning standpoint. I explore generational trauma essentially, um, in a way that brings up like new things for me every time I explore this trauma. It started with my grandmother, Mary, who um, was murdered um, in her 20s. Um, my, my dad was actually at the house and probably saw it happen, probably heard it happen, but found um, his own mom dead and stayed there with her for a few days until somebody found her, um, saying that she was like asleep. Um, so that's one piece of like where kind of the beginning starts, right? Then, then there's my dad, who grew up very... Um, just rough, very rough upbringing, um, fell prey to alcoholism and addiction issues. And um, in 1997, he crashed his car in North Idaho waters um, and died in, in Lake Fernan, um, Idaho. And then comes me. <laughs> I was two at the time he died. So I wasn't raised by him. I was raised by my stepdad and my mom. Um, but I was always raised with the idea of him. And this is what really pushes me to do this is to not not disrespectfully engage with death like that but to humanize the people who lost life too quickly like in my opinion like I, nothing's too quickly but just very quickly mm -hmm. and tragically um so it comes so it comes to me and I I live with um I'm queer um, non-binary. I live with bipolar disorder. I was diagnosed uh, five years ago, five or six years ago now, um, in my first uh, episode of psychosis. Um, and I don't consider psychosis an odd emotion. If, if you're talking about pushing a button, this is like holding the button down. And so that's why I kind of want to bring it up rather than like say this is what I think it is, because I don't think that the, they're related, but they're somehow related, you know? Um, cause you're talking about, you, you've talked about the overarching like themes of this kind of stuff. And I think this is where my questions start is like, um, I guess for me, mental health is in trauma is like a huge historical part of my past and, um, my family. 
Um, this psychosis is like a different experience and to describe it would be too, too much, I think. Um, but again, that whole button pushing thing, it's like if, it's like if you can get close to the veil, as they say in, in these odd emotions, I think psychosis is one of those experiences where the, the veil and like, I, I describe it as one foot in one foot out the whole time, like the Mm -hmm. whole time. Um, and it's not a good experience for most people who actually go through it. Um, because the way we deal with mental health issues in, in this society isn't catering towards um, helping somebody um, grasp the delusions in a healthy way. It's more of like you're delusional, take the meds and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's those to me have been very, um, if, if they're supposed to heal, one's not working. Mm-hmm. The other one actually did, which is exploring the delusions, exploring the the liminality of the situation. Um, and at the time, so I've experienced it twice. I've experienced the first episode of psychosis in 2018 and then one last year, which was crazy. Um, the one last year I felt the most liminal, I guess I'll say, is the only word I can really describe. And it was because it was also coming out as non-binary. Mm-hmm. And that was a really crazy thing for me because that identity feels liminal. Like, Mm -hmm. especially when you're discovering it and you're not really sure what identity you're placing. And so this experience that I've had, I, the reason I even found your article was because I was like, who is talking about stuff? (laughs) Like, like getting to the nitty gritty of like, why exactly did pathways open in this experience that allowed certain things to come through that I can't say that weren't real? Mm -hmm. Like, um, and I journaled it too this morning to like really, um, really touch the points of like what happened. And I noticed, um, I noticed that like I could identify certain things that would come through. The first couple people, the first person who came through was Alan Turing. Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. Computer um, science mathematician who died. Um, uh, <sighs> his death is super weird. They don't know if it was suicide or murder or something crazy, but, um, he died cyanide poisoning. Um, very young. He was a crypto analyst for German war codes in world war two. That's like his role in history. Mm -hmm. He came through, like, I am telling you, I, (laughs) why would I know? Like, why would I care? Yeah. (laughs) He came through, he was talking, he was there, whatever. And then I had like this other huge theme of justice coming through both times, which is, not to say that like it's it's unique but that um it's it's similar to like how people have spiritual awakenings yeah and when was this so my first my first experience with psychosis was in 2018 my second one was last year last year and was the theme the alan and the themes of justice both times or just yeah both times yeah and there was um there were different ones um that i wrote down to Mm -hmm. that didn't occur at the same time but these two were there like both times and um the second time things things were a little bit more scary because I knew it was happening to me the first time I had no idea what was happening I was like what the hell Mm -hmm. yeah the the second time I was like oh I'm in psychosis again great (laughs) (laughs) and um I I then understood what the difference between like a a real delusion was and what weird experiences were happening and so I in my psychosis language, would tell my um, partner, this is giving me the ookie spookies. This is not whatever this is. This is not like healing journey, whatever. I was like, this gave me creeps. Like I am 
creeped out by what I just saw. Um, I saw my deceased cat like run across um, my like legs yeah. and I saw him just go out the corner of my eye and I wasn't even looking at anything, not doing anything. And he just like ran uh-huh. stuff like that. And I don't, I don't know um, what to necessarily say, but the question I guess I wrote down after writing through all this to ask you um, was what do you, what have you like learned or experienced in your long paranormal history that you've had? Like, have you heard of anything like this? And what are they saying about it essentially? Oh man. If yeah. you have, cause it was a crapshoot to ask yeah, that no, question. No. Um, I mean, I don't want to say that there is nothing else out there about it. I'm sure I, I don't know of anyone talking about experiences like that openly on the internet right now. I right. can't, I couldn't tell you right now who I, I would probably say not just myself, but like my little circle on the internet is probably the only people kind of barely dabbling into that. Um, but before I kind of go down this rabbit hole, I, first of all, thank you for sharing all of that with me. I, it's fascinating. It's difficult to talk about. I'm well aware that that these topics are when I started writing the paranormal motive touch point, I knew that I was teetering on a line where I'd have to be very self-aware of not um, explaining away like mental yeah. health issues right. and, and, um, and things like that. And, um, and that's just something anyone being in the paranormal long enough knows that we all kind of like, you have to be careful. It's a push and pull. I don't want to go totally off yeah. into like woo-woo land, you know, um, and, and explain away my own mental health issues just by being like, it's all paranormal. Like right. it, it's so hard to talk about it, but I think I, but I also think that how you're explaining this, you're on to something. Uh, like I, I get it. I get what you're saying entirely. And, um, and it's weird. I, so I'm compelled to share that. Like, so I, um, I don't have personal experiences with bipolar, but my mom is, um, bipolar and mm-hmm. she tends to, um, cycle in and out of mania, uh, pretty, um, rapidly. Yeah. Um, but I have, uh, communicated with her in depth through, um, manic episodes, especially in the last handful of years, yeah. which have gotten it increasingly more difficult with the state of the world and stuff. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, I have kind of been on the outside of that and, um, and it's really interesting cause she has said some things to me before that caught my attention. I'm like, tiptoeing around trying I'm trying to say this correctly <laughs> but like yeah. she said some things before when she is is struggling that I found fascinating from a kind of I don't want to say from a paranormal standpoint but maybe from like like she had some experiences that were sort of other and I and it was interesting to me and I didn't have the knowledge or the education to like be like wait, what are you talking about? You know, like, is that real or like, is it not real? I don't know. I'm learning through all of this. And honestly, like, I mean, I have, um, I've dealt with, what am I even saying? (laughs) It's It's just, it's, it's just, I want to be so careful not to, not to talk about the paranormal, like as if it's like, oh yeah, like you're a very serious mental health 
crisis is paranormal. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And <laughs> the, the way that I resolve this for myself, I think, is that I have done what I need mm-hmm. to, to take care of this part. Like, I was talking to my partner about it last night, and I was like, you know, in, in the last year, especially since I began Scooby, like, I compartmentalized things in a good way, in a way that was like, not, it was like seeing it as a whole, but compartmentalizing them long enough that the whole was coming together a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I, I can't get too caught up in talking about it. What I do is just express myself. Like, like, you know, I think this way. So then this, like, Mm -hmm. and when it comes to my mental health, I think there's a lot of like veiled humor, but also, um, I'm pretty like I'm pretty authentic and and I tell my therapists the same thing I tell my doctors the same thing I tell myself. And so as long as I'm authentically telling my truth, I feel as though my health is better. Mm-hmm. And it comes with this piece. Yeah. It doesn't come without it because I'm seeing it as a whole right now. Um, that no matter like my spirituality when it comes to like the craft and the interest like professionally in paranormal investigation and podcasting, And then the mental health piece is just like, well, I get to share however much of that I want. And like, you know, for you and your story and and your mom, like, you know, you can tell what you want. I think, I think though, what I've been researching is that it would be hard to ask somebody like me or even your mom that like, if there was something definite, I think we would sit back and really have to think. Like, it would take a lot mm-hmm. um, because there's so much that happens in your brain um, when you're going through not only just mania, but then psychosis mm-hmm. because it transforms the whole time. So I don't know if that helped, but um, yeah, it's... When I also, I also, sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. but I, um, as I have a moment of clarity about it, uh, I also am careful to not when I'm talking about my paranormal theories, specifically my exploration into human emotions in relation to paranormal phenomena, I have to be careful to talk about it from solely my own experience, Mm -hmm. you know, because I don't want, I, my hope is that I can present a well articulated theory to people to be able to kind of help guide them to understand how their own emotions play into paranormal phenomena they may or may not be experiencing. And then they get to kind of define what that means to them because I can only, I can only speak from my own experience, you know, like I, I will never say, you know, that this is how it's going to be for somebody with a completely different makeup than myself, you know what I mean? So it's like, And as I've gotten kind of farther into talking about paranormal emotions in general, um, I feel like very passionate about it and very much like I'm on the right track, but I'm also very like much at the beginning of it too. And I'm, like I said before, like I'm still trying to kind of piece it out and sort of understand what's going on. But as you mentioned yourself, as you started to see kind of like, I think something's going on here. Like, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, you just kind of start to wonder. I'm very much still in the beginning stages of that, of like kind of like getting stories from people and and experiencing things myself and working through my own trauma and and my own um, life and like kind of just trying to be like, okay, I think this is what's going on. I think there might be, you know, these emotive touch points. I think that there's paranormal emotions and they, it makes sense, but I don't have like a, I don't have it all figured out yet, you know? And that's also part of my, like, passion for being online uh, and being in the paranormal field 
online specifically is I want to show a level of vulnerability that is not present very often online, especially so in the paranormal field. Mm -hmm. I mean, anyone who watches paranormal media or follows people online, it's like not the most progressive field out there. And it's not a lot of people who are really trying to, it's surprisingly because, you know, you also have a lot of very spiritual people, but Mm -hmm. for some reason it tends to be separated. Like there's the spiritual witchy side of things and then there's the paranormal side of things. I noticed that. To yeah. me, it always came together as one, and I didn't get it, like, why people were separating it. But then I think it's just because, like, to me, it's capitalism. Like, mm-hmm. what, where where are you getting paid? Yeah. Are you getting paid to be a tarot reader? Are you getting paid to, like, yep. you know, do a movie or something? Yeah, yeah. So. And then you've got, yeah, and then capitalism makes you, like, niche down, and then you kind of have to, like, define yourself. But, like, anyway, <laughs> that's besides the point, like, it's, like, I'm trying to also show a vulnerability of, like, hey, I don't know anything really (laughs) I'm trying you know like but also I think that if we were to explore just these just having these conversations in general with each other and explore these really vulnerable elements to ourselves Mm -hmm. and then allowing ourselves to make connections to the other side or to make connection or like to kind of understand it more holistically um, as the human experience like the human experience involves it, to me, it involves what is after death as well yeah. as what's before. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, maybe is, like, I don't know. I, I guess the whole of it is just I'm trying it to It feels very of, circular. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it it really just reminds me again and again that, like, when I – like you're saying, you go in it with your experience. But then I think what the most amazing thing about paranormal investigation and – and even spirituality a little bit, but is finding the commonality in the experiences that we're all having. And part of my part of my journey here in, in talking to you and um, just doing the podcast and seeing what I mean, I'm not very like famous at all. So I don't nobody's coming with me or at me with stuff. But I hope that in the future that somebody comes to me and says, hey, like, here's this. And then we can start piecing together more answers if that's like what time allows or mm-hmm. the universe or the veil allows, right? And I think like it's so cool to see people like you. I love Paranorthwest just because I think they're funny and like these groups of people who are authentically doing something. And the level of vulnerability you're saying I think is so important because we don't get to see that online. We don't get to see that on TV. And there's this representational portion, like you're saying, too, where there's a lot of cishet white guys running the place, and mm-hmm. um, they don't make up the rule. They are a piece of the puzzle, mm-hmm. just like everything else is. And um, I I do this work as, like, a queer person to explore not only just, like, my own trauma, but, like, as, like how can we queer this up? Mm-hmm. Because, like, not everybody was straight and we're, we're acting like gender and like sexuality are so stagnant here mm-hmm. and they're not and yeah, no. they never were um no matter how far you go back so um that's like another part of why I do it especially in like the beginning part of the podcast I do these like media representation things I don't like I don't necessarily always take a really big history of things I'll go like well what are my three favorite depictions of zombies mm-hmm. like and here's what I think about it and like and I think we talked about this too which is um like the popular, the way we popularly think of something becoming, and then it becoming that thing. Like you were saying about the little boy, mm-hmm. you know, we have this idea of like what a ghost is, but over time that changes. And with more popular culture, that changes into something. Mm-hmm. Ghosts historically probably are the same, but um, not to say that like, 
you know, we don't have other things growing in the mist because we've created that. Um, like I think, I think your documentary and then like you said too, with Carl's work, big, um, big pieces to the puzzle that, that were just like shoved in for people like me who were like little and on the sidelines being like, wow, that not only like changed my mind, but it also changed the depth of what I'm going to do next. Mm -hmm. So, well, I almost think of it kind of too, like a gravitational pull, like it pulled you in. It's like, Hey, we need you. Like, or we need, you know, like I feel like the other, I really love the trickster archetype and like this mm -hmm. idea. That I did read your yeah. blog about that too. I was like reading this morning. Yeah. There, there's just like all of this um, folklore and like uh, this idea that there is just this other force kind of like playing with us and kind of seeing. Sometimes I think we get really close and then something happened, like really close to an answer or to an understanding, and then something happens and it feels very um, other, like very strange in like I do feel like you're not just I, you said you're just a little person on the sideline but I think you're a very important person that that the other side or you know whatever this like gravitational pull is I, I'm not I don't believe in like traditional god or anything but like whatever it is right. out there that's like kind of like hey like let's understand this more like pulls people in that need to be I feel like that about a lot of people I've met recently actually I I'm going off on a tangent now, but like, um, it's okay. But I, uh, I was just talking. So I was talking to the Paranormal Northwest people, um, and one of them ha was born in the same month, close to the same day, in the same hospital as me in Orange, California, a small hospital, and oh that God. was crazy. And then I was like, wow, that's really interesting. I wonder if we cross paths for a reason. And then I was just talking to somebody the other day. Um, in at the Seattle premiere of Death Is With Me, um, these guys they run a website called Liminal Earth, which is a really cool website, kind of mapping strange occurrences mm -hmm. all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, one of them says that he has ancestors from the Azores Islands off of the coast of Portugal, which is where my ancestors wow. are from on my father's side. I've never met anyone who's had the same ancestors or like the same. That it's would like, be hard to. Yeah, it's yeah. like very specific, and it was like. I mean, it's not like the craziest thing in the world, but like, I was like, wow, I really feel like I'm coming across people that I'm meant to be coming across. Like it yeah. felt very serendipitous. Like I'm like, okay, something's, something's at work here. And it's like, it feels right. And so I feel like perhaps you were intended to come across that blog and intended to cross paths so that you can also yourself be put in, on the right path to do some very important work. Cause I, I, going back to what you said about, you know, um, the paranormal, not being very like not representing queer people or like not being very queer at all. Like that is a huge, uh, weakness of the paranormal community right now. And something, a very small group of very strong individuals are trying to change right now online. Yeah. But I mean, it's, um, it's definitely something that needs work. So your perspective is incredibly important. Well, thank you for saying that. I think for me, a lot of the time I sit back and I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm literally just sitting here writing this, recording this, putting it out there and hoping to God that like something happens. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the investigation pieces, so I've yet to do an investigation. I've never gone, done anything. Um, I really want to ghost bust my dad's death spot and his grave. Um, and so those are the things I'm excited to do and just experience because I think that will put 
uh, fire up my butt again, you know, about Mm -hmm. it because I just, in some weird way, and this is just like a self thing that I feel, I feel very confused. And because you mix like professionalism with online stuff, that's why I don't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, like I can produce something and create art for the sake of it being a story. Um, but the idea of like, like you have so many followers that would scare the shit out of me. (laughs) Am I ever prepared that that will ever happen to me? I have no idea, but I want, what I do want out of this is like the, the experience of like people Mm -hmm. and understanding where things are coming from and why things pop up to us. And just like sitting back and thinking about your movie, I like, I have so much anxiety. I would, to, to me going and seeing you there and like seeing, I was like, Oh my God, she's so beautiful. Like I'm going to die. I'm going to pass out. <laughs> and I was like, and she made a movie. Like, how cool is that? Like just, you know, interacting with that in that way. I was very brave. And, um, I find that like the more I offer myself to the situation, I'm definitely getting the, like the open receiving thing, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm getting the fruits of my labor a little bit and it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you don't have to put this in, but, um, how old are you? If you I'm don't... 28. 28. Oh man, you're about, you're getting close to your Saturn return. Oh, I, I don't know. You don't know means... anything about no, astrology. Tell me. Uh, so around like 29, 30 years old, Saturn makes a return back to the sign that it was when you were born called okay. your Saturn return. And that's typically, if you believe in astrology, a time when um, it's like a massive transformational period of your life. Uh, okay. To give you an idea, I was 29 when I started Pretty Up and Spooky. Uh. Knew nothing about astrology then. It completely changed my life. But I mean, I'm not going to go all astrology weirdo on you. But like, <laughs> um, but just uh, astrology aside, uh, late 20s was hugely transformational for me. And I and now you've had you've gone through a ton of change in mm. the last few years and a pandemic in such a you know important stage of your life so um yeah I think you're on the right path though I mean I think a a lot of stuff will probably continue to change for for the better for you well thank you (laughs) I think I think it's really important when like you're in the mindset of like well you're just very self-aware and like um like you said with compartmentalizing things yourself and um you're very aware of of your own mental health and you know you have a lot of, it sounds like you have a really good support system mm-hmm. and then on top of that you have the openness to kind of explore the strange which I think gives us a more holistic life experience personally so I, I don't know that's just my opinion I'm, thir- I'm, I'm, I'm 33 next week so oh yeah <laughs> yeah I um it's funny because when I was in psychosis last year I was I was I was 27 so I'm I was sitting there just like in it and I talked to my friend who's also a witch and she's, she's into whatever she's into, but she told me, she's like, have you ever heard of the 27 club? And I was like, oh God. I was like, no. And then I Googled it and I was no. like, okay, I don't know why the fuck she said yeah. that to me. <laughs> I but then say. I, I literally was sitting there thinking and I was like, there's something about this dink, dink, dink. Yeah. My, I mean, my dad passed away when he was 29 and that was the age he was when he died. And, um, I, the closer I get to this period, the Mm -hmm. the closer I feel to death. Mm. And that's how it really felt like in psychosis Mm -hmm. was like, that was another one I wanted to bring up too, was like another one of the entities that really like felt there was like, I kept calling it death Mm. as if it was like some grim reaper version of like death, like maybe never personified in that way, but just Mm -hmm. like very, um, present. Well, that is how I, not to 
change the subject, but um, in, in death is with me when I when I says who is with us right now, and I say death, and uh, they kept a lot of this part out, but a lot of the visuals that I was getting in those investigation periods, to me, seemed like death personified mm-hmm. um, in the um, like um, it was like an amalgamation of death creating one kind of death entity yeah and it was something i couldn't articulate then and obviously they left out because it's just like too big of a concept it would be like another 40 minutes of your yeah, movie yeah, yeah. It, it just is something i'm going to need to talk about another time but like i remember seeing the, the these visual images of like um these spirits coming from the water but there was also this concept of like they're coming out but then they're all one and it wasn't it didn't look like anything in particular but um but it was like I don't know. It, it was too big of a concept to even really like put into yeah. words. I'd need to really write it out. But Well, um, it's funny because when, when that line comes up in the movie, I was shook. I was <laughs> shook. I, said, I was like, nobody else is feeling the goosey bumps because I'm going to freak out. <laughs> and, and it's funny, too. And I don't know if, I don't know if this will interest you, but um, I, I'm very in tune, I'm, especially since the last time I went through psychosis. I mean, it's, it's, it's not only was like, it was like maybe a two before. It's like an eight now. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was sitting in the movie, and I kept, I kept closing my eyes just because my I have sensitive eyes. We wear glasses, mm-hmm. you know the feeling. Yeah. And um, I kept closing my eyes, and I would sit back, and I just saw this like massive. It looked like mist, but it, I don't know, it acted like it. It would it would get huge, and then it would get really small and turn into a person. Oh wow. And it, it did it about three times when I closed my eyes, trying to get that like headache feeling away when I was watching the movie. Mm-hmm. And then it really just like, dro- and I didn't really want to like say anything about it. Cause I was like, I don't fucking know, but <laughs> <laughs> it really drove it home. When you said the, the line about death, I was like, I was like, I don't know, maybe this is just me thinking, but this is, this is a really cool experience. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that. And once the movie comes out, hopefully, like it, it will stream eventually. And when it comes out to a larger audience, I'm like, I can't wait for all of us to be able to like talk more openly about yeah. this and like and get into like what I just said, some of the stuff of the investigation that obviously couldn't make the movie and stuff. Because yeah. there was you need like a separate movie. <laughs> well, and I was think- I'm thinking, you know, like I might, I don't know. I don't really necessarily want to commodify it and make a YouTube or anything, but I do want to explore it with people more because I'm like the experiences I had, the paranormal experiences I had filming the documentary transformed my life entirely. Like it changed my life and it's not even fully uh, shown in, in the final product, which I'm glad because it would have not been as good of a movie if they (laughs) showed all of my like ramblings and stuff. But like I experienced stuff that made me change the way I looked at the paranormal entirely and in it and it really did kind of feel like looking into a mirror in a sense like what what it was almost like watching myself exist in on the other side like I I put myself so deep into that research and so deep into that experience that like I really got a better grasp of how I personally played a part in my paranormal experience as a whole and how other people played a part in it and that's where Again, too, where the ball started rolling on like human emotions and the relationship between our living experience and the paranormal and like how our existence kind of shapes and forms our paranormal experience, too. It's just it's so again, I really am like at the beginning stages of figuring out how to write it. I have this paranormal emotive touch point, which I have a pretty good grasp on, but I want to explore it more um, 
because I just think that it, we're on to something there, yeah. you know, like, and it, and overall, I think it's important to say too, that by saying I'm on to something means like I'm on to a better understanding of what it means to live and to understand that I will one day die. Yeah. And that is basically all I can do in this life. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm spiritual, like I'm witchy and, but I'm not, I'm not Christian or like, I don't have like a specific religion that I follow. And, and sometimes that does create some uncertainty for me. It's hard, especially being raised Christian. Mm -hmm. I had this idea that I'll go to heaven and it'll be beautiful and wonderful. And like everything after death is like great. And then when I decided that I didn't quite believe that, like I couldn't fit that into my belief system really, then it kind of left open this like gap where I was like, well then what does happen? And am I okay with that? And like, I, I struggle from like really bad, as you can imagine being in this field, I struggle with like death anxiety really bad. And, uh, and a lot of my work also stems from like kind of trying to, um, deal with that. Cause Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. Cause I just don't want to (laughs) die. I don't want to die. It's funny because like, that, I mean, like, I, I find a lot of similarities between us, but I also, that is the one biggest thing that I've heard from you that I'm like, I'm, I'm the opposite. I have wanted to die since I was born. <laughs> and I think only recently have I been like, oh shit, like I should probably think about like wanting to live because the universe treats me a little better <laughs> when I'm not like actively seeking death. Um, so it's funny that you say that too. Cause I, I had that thought about you a while ago when you were, I don't know, I saw an Instagram thing, but um no that's really funny that you say that (laughs) you'll do well in the in the exploration of the paranormal if you're not as afraid of death because I'm like I'm like a I'm a walking like contradiction like I'm like this stuff scares the shit out of me (laughs) like I just want to live forever out of fear it's not it's not like I'm like some like I'm not like life is beautiful and like I just want to experience it all it's not like I'm more like I'm so scared (laughs) but but now with all that said, uh, now I'm feeling a lot better about it as I start to kind of find ways to make more sense of it for myself. Yeah. And and also, I mean, you just explore the paranormal long enough and, and you dig deep enough that like I have had experiences now that I absolutely cannot explain yeah. with the science that we have available to us. So I'm like, okay, like that I've experienced enough now. I'm like, I'm a believer that there is more than meets the eye. And that is slowly starting to give me more um, comfort uh, in this whole yeah. thing that we call life, yeah. <laughs> you know? But um, I want to ask you, um, do you have any advice for me on how to explore things like the paranormal emotive touch point when talking to people who have experience with mental illness or like it, yeah. the deeper stuff. Cause I don't want to, I want to be sure that I'm talking about it like in a sensitive manner. I yeah. don't want to, I don't want to other other people and right. like, and I, and I want to explore it, but also make sure I'm not overstepping. I think the first thing that really um, struck me when I read your blog post was then I, I liked the the lists that you were creating, the definitions of what exactly you were talking about. That was very helpful um, because in mental health, not all of those things are the same. The symptoms of like depression, anxiety, bipolar, and then you go up into things like schizophrenia or what have you. The it's, it's almost like a progression. I see it because it just gets, your mind just gets farther lost. And these, this list 
that you create seems um, definitive. And that's, I think, the good basis that you have already. The next thing I would say, just coming, just talking to you is like, the first thing I always do is come with my experience. Like, what did I feel and think and do and do whatever? And uh, he, here's this on the table for you. Um, are you comfortable with sharing your experience as well um, to see if we can't like match that? I think for me, I like it when somebody comes to me with authenticity and candidness. And um, I, I think too simply, I would just say like, you know, and I would get a ba- before even going in there. I was get a, I would get a basis of like where they're at on their journey too. Like mm-hmm. if they tell you their experience and they're like, oh man, I'm having a hard time. I'm like I I maybe wouldn't bring it up in that instance. Yeah. But in a case where like I don't know maybe someone like me who's been on my healing journey for a while, or has things to take care of it, it's a little bit easier. Um, but meet someone where they're at. That's like all I can say. Yeah. Meet someone yeah. where they're at, and I think that's the best thing I would do. Yeah. So, yeah, because emotions, like, especially for bipolar, emotions are hard because Mm -hmm. I feel almost all of them all the time or none of them, none of the time or like what, whatever spectrum in between that exists for bipolar people. Um, So one of the things that like on your list, I would always think like, okay, these like really strong feelings of like intensity. Is it man? Is it manic or depression or is it? Or is it odd? Yeah. Well, and that's, that's a good point because it's like, I am in writing that and speaking about it, I'm coming from a place of privilege in a way in that I don't have uh, bipolar. I'm mm-hmm. not experiencing that myself. So I'm, I ha- I'm able to like, I'm only speaking from like my own regulated emotions and being like, this is an intense emotion to me, mm-hmm. but like that could be perceived differently to other people. So it almost makes me think I could go back into that list and pull out maybe four or five things that like I feel confident yeah. about you know, and maybe leave out, um, you know, some things like euphoria and like stuff like that, like to me feels intense. And I've had moments where I felt an intense emotion arise that I didn't have a good pinpoint for, but I also knew that that wasn't like bipolar or that wasn't, you know what I mean? There wasn't an actual reason for that. And for other people, that's going to be different. So I think that's a good point about like keeping the list, but almost maybe niching it down even more to kind of to, to kind of focus on my own experience and something I feel really comfortable talking about that yeah. is odd, which makes me think back to like just deja vu, liminality, nostalgia, um, and synchronicity. I think those yeah. in particular are the ones I'm primarily talking about and I could probably leave off some of the other ones or maybe leave it open for people to like yeah. relate to it in their well, own way. Well, because the one, it's so funny that you say that too. Th- those four or five that you just said, yes, I think those are the ones that I would feel confident too, like just as in my experience. The ones that you have, um, daydreaming, extrasensory experiences, sleep paralysis, sleep paralysis maybe not, but um, the last one, hypnagogia. Is that oh, what it yeah. is? Mm-hmm. That one's crazy to me because in psychosis, that's how almost everybody gets there. Yeah. Is that they're not sleeping anymore. Oh. And that, and they're almost in a state where they're like half awake, half asleep because their mind has completely changed. And now, now there's no almost need for sleep or you feel like there's not. Mm-hmm. And so when you do get close to sleeping, um, you're in between. Like yeah. it's, it's very, and so that one to me is the one that I always had the question mark on because mm-hmm. I was like, that's what always made me feel half in, half out. Yeah. Um, but the, but the ambiguous emotions, I think that one would be maybe just like a asterisk of like, well, 
what's your regulatory yeah. what's your baseline what yeah what's your baseline and then and then what would be an unusual kind of like I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you give you give advice to journal. That's the second half of it. You mm-hmm. give advice like these are the questions to ask. I would explore that even more too because for me, when I was writing the instances of psychosis, I literally brought up your blog and I was like, well, what what are the questions I would have if it was paranormal? Mm-hmm. And I and that's how I was able to come up with these things for you to yeah. like tell the story, and that helped. So maybe even you what know. I want to get into that more too. Um, something I've done in the last year is uh I've done some experiences with ghost hunting my own trauma which is like um which I can speak from experience more confidently because I you know everyone has trauma and I and I can speak from like I and I had these lists of questions and these ways that I asked myself Mm -hmm. um in kind of a almost like a trance state you know a meditative state Mm -hmm. asking myself um through traditional ghost hunting methods like the spirit box asking my own trauma, you know, why, why did this happen? What are you trying to tell me? How can I better, you know, like a tarot reading, like similar questions to tarot reading, but just using ghost hunting techniques for it. I want to get into that more. And then I also think, I think I have some work to do with, um, with all of that. Like, I'm glad I wrote that blog post that like really lays it out to the best of my ability now, but I think I have more that I know now that I could like also break it up too and kind of dig deeper into like, one specific element of it but I don't know this is really great feedback I really appreciate I don't know if you're going to put any of this in the podcast but like I really appreciate it because I it's something I've been it's been like really weighing on me lately like I uh I'm just well aware that my experience I mean it's like I know my experiences are my own and there's value in that and like I have value in my own personal experiences with things that I want to share but I also understand that I'm I'm not like the authority on anything and I'm not like here to tell anyone. And I hate that about the paranormal field too. It's like, there's so many people out there speaking with authority on like, this is exactly how this is done. Like an exorcism or whatever. And I'm like, like the clout doesn't help. Yeah. Like when you have clout, you're given authority. Yeah. Well, and (laughs) And it's weird. I've had conversations with people before who've said, as I'm making content online, you know, speak with more authority, like speak like, you know what you're talking about. And I've always struggled with that. And I've had to find like some balance in that of like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to speak with confidence on some things, but I'm never, ever going to be the person who's going to say, I have, I, I am the authority on the paranormal yeah, (laughs) or or like, or like weird experiences. That's impossible. If anyone ever says that, to you they don't know what they're talking no. about because that's not the point of yeah. like exploring this stuff you know yeah i mean i would say to that person like it's authenticity to me to me mm-hmm. but like when you're online like i like you're trying to show yourself something but I, I don't know i'm always like authority aside authenticity i think is where you show that vulnerability that you were speaking that you wanted to show and i think for me i get that from you like I get, I get this, I get the seriousness of what you're doing is the same time I get the fun, mm-hmm. which is like the visuals and how pretty everything is for you. But, um, well, and yeah, so in social media, like you said, being afraid of like having so many followers or whatever. And I have friends who have an absurd amount of followers and that scares me. Like, I feel like I'm in a comfortable space, but I mean, there has, ha- I've had to have a lot of conversations with myself of like, what am I doing? What am I willing to do? Like, where to, where are my like where am I at 
on like the morality of it. Like I said before, like commodifying these very personal experiences Mm -hmm. because you immediately kind of do venture into that space of commodification when you're making a 10 second video about a a situation that is like actually really transformative or important to you, you know, but I keep telling myself if I have a North star, if my North star is sharing with people and helping other people feel more, you know, comfortable in their own vulnerability and more, you know, in helping just people feel more at peace with their personal experiences, then that, then that's like, I'm good with it. So if I share a stupid 10 second video, but it made somebody else think about something twice or like feel like, oh, I've had that same experience before. I don't feel as weird anymore. Like that, that makes it feel worth it to me. And also the larger, um, the larger thing, which is like creating community too. Cause I want to see the type of community and like the people I know in my personal life, I want to see that represented in the paranormal field mm-hmm. online. So, and it wasn't there before. So I had to just jump in the ring and be like, we're going to like make this more inclusive. We're yeah. going to make this look more like what I would like it to look like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I think that's a good place to end. Cause that was essentially my last question too, which was like, what are you going to do now? Where's your North Star? Yeah, no, that was a good, <laughs> good thing. So, well, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.